Good morning and welcome to worship on this uh, rainy first Sunday of the month. It is so good to see you. My name is Doug Brower. I'm a pastor at IPC. Sam Durfee is my colleague in ministry and together we welcome you to this time of worship. Uh, uh, you may have seen the red hangings uh, in the front. The Swiss church is celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation this Sunday. Uh, those of you who were here last week recall that we celebrated uh, last Sunday with a special worship service and a lunch and a walking tour of, uh, of Zurich, and it was really uh, quite a, a good experience. But the Swiss church is observing the day today. Uh, as maybe you will uh, see from our worship order, uh, we're following a, a slightly different tradition. Uh, we're observing All Saints Sunday today, so some of our prayers and certainly the last hymn is a reminder of All Saints Sunday on the church calendar. Uh, if you are visiting with us today, we welcome you. I would like to meet you in a few uh, moments, uh, but first I have uh, some announcements to make. Immediately following worship today, uh, beginning at about 1 o'clock, or however soon we can uh, get across the street to the Zelthoff Lounge, there will be a, a special presentation about uh, prophecy. Uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit. I did not grow up in a, a tradition which uh, encouraged this particular gift of the Spirit. I have a great deal of interest in it. Uh, if you are one of those people who did not grow up in a, a tradition uh, with an interest in uh, prophecy, I encourage you to come and be a part. Ed Trout is a pastor from South Africa, now based in the U.S., and he's going to be with us uh, for this presentation and uh, there's also a lunch involved. Uh, I think we have a few places uh, still available. You are invited to join us after worship today. Then next Sunday is going to be a very important Sunday in the life of our church. It's the Harvest Festival. And you may already have noted that there is an offering envelope in your uh, worship bulletin. Uh, we are going to uh, have a special offering both this week and next Sunday for uh, a ministry in Loseto. Uh, Loseto is a uh, tiny island of land in the middle of South Africa, and we have been supporting a ministry there uh, for uh, about 10 years. Uh, in fact, I think I made this announcement last uh, year, and uh, a church member who is from Loseto was sitting right here and said, I'm from Loseto. Uh, we're, we're not going to find many uh, members of this church from that country. Uh, but the need is strong, and I hope you will uh, be a part of this for uh, next week, there will be baked goods for sale as well. And then uh, uh, one more thing, uh, even though Christmas Eve is still uh, several weeks away, I want to plant the first seed in your mind. There will be other announcements about this. There will be one worship service on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, it falls on Sunday this year, and that uh, service will be at 6 o'clock in the evening. So no 11.30 service uh, that week. Uh, there will be one uh, Lessons in Carol service at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Please make a note. Now, if you are visiting with us, uh, we would love to uh, meet you. If you would be willing to stand and tell us your name and where you're from, uh, our usher will uh, come over with a microphone and you can uh, tell us who you are. Would you be willing? There's one. 
you're not going to be first, though. Uh, Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Sohail, and I'm coming from Iran. Welcome. Glad you're here. Welcome. Hi, my name is Brittany, and I'm from Colorado in the U.S. Welcome, Brittany. Glad you're here. Terry and Cheryl Treadwell from Montgomery, Alabama, United States. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, good morning. I'm Ping, and I'm from New Zealand. I'm just passing through Zurich. Welcome. My name is Sylvia, and I'm from Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming such a long way to, to be here. Good, good morning. My name is Randy Heckman. I'm also from Colorado and uh, just visiting for the weekend. Welcome, welcome. And as always, I hope that the rest of us make a point of uh, welcoming these people in person. You are uh, encouraged to come to our coffee hour and uh, we'll extend a welcome, personal welcome there. Volkmar Yakli uh, is one of our church's uh, elders and he has a few more joys and concerns for us today. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Doug. You're getting better every time pronouncing my name, so I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so um, um, first of all, yeah, welcome and a gentle reminder to, again, uh, switch off your cell phones or put it on mute or vibrate if you are on duty. Okay, we have the prayer team available again um, here after the service uh, near the piano for praises and prayer. Also, I uh, would like to remind you that, uh, again, about the flea market um, here in the French Hall today, um, so where um, children um, can, um, you know, sell pretty much their um, flea um, items. Um, we also have, I want to remind you, a women's retreat coming up November 18th, and um, uh, you can uh, register for that um, at the table um, uh, during the coffee hour. Um, I would shortly like to call um, Annelise Coben. Um, she will introduce us to the precept study. Good morning. Um, in your uh, bulletin, you uh, find this invitation for a precept training workshop on Friday the 24th in the evening and Saturday the 25th of November, which will be held in Dubedorf. Uh, last week as a church, uh, we dedicated the new Pew Bibles uh, and also had a sermon about the Reformation. One of the important so solas of the Reformation, as you all know, is sola scriptura, uh, just and only the word of God, the Bible. Remember that Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is the truth. So if you want to be enriched and uh, enjoy, enjoy reading the Bible, uh, then this workshop is for you. Uh, when, I, when we came to Switzerland 12 years ago, being brought up in a Christian family, I had done many Bible studies, 
but I still found it very difficult to make time and read the Bible for myself. Maybe you can identify with that. Um, here in Switzerland, I joined a Bible study group called Precept Bible Study, where the way they would study the Bible was uh, always in its context and inductively. Uh, and um, that means that you uh, let the Bible speak for itself and that you observe and interpret and imply. This has, was such an eye-opener for me that it uh, changed my life. The word has become more living for me over the years, and through it I have come to know our Lord Jesus much better. Uh, I now even enjoy reading the Bible every day and studying it. I can do it for longer than five minutes. Um, therefore, I would like to invite you, men, women, couples, young adults, students, to come to the weekend of the 24th and 25th of November in Dubendorf to come and learn how to study the Bible inductively. We will be studying the book, the whole book of Titus. It's only three chapters, but it's the whole book we will do. Philip Meineke, who is the European leader of Precept Ministries, will lead the study. And the title, is the, is, the title of the study is Developing Character and Integrity in the Midst of a Society Which Has Lost Respect for God. Um, the workshop is also excellent if you want to become a better parent, Sunday school teacher, youth group leader, deacon, you can fill your name in for that. So you can sign up on the website. Uh, it costs 10 francs, that's for the materials and also for the lunch, which you can pay at arrival. If it's a problem, of course, don't worry, come anyway. Um, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer uh, your questions at coffee hour. So looking forward to see many of you. Thank you, Annelise. And uh, as I understood, it is not only for women, right? It's also for men. Okay, thank you. Uh, just one final announcement. There's a black SUV uh, here in front that, uh, with the um, number plate Zurich 510996. It has lights on, so you may want to check that. Thank you, and let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship. to worship. We gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, members of God's family, brothers and sisters to one another. There are no outsiders here among us. No one has any special standing or bragging rights. We have all been brought together 
by the redeeming love of Jesus. Let us all join together in worship. Let us now stand and sing hymn number 473, For the Beauty of the Earth. Please remain standing as we pray our prayer of confession together, followed by a time of silent prayer. Please join me in prayer. Eternal God, in every age you have raised up men and women to live and die in faith. Forgive our indifference to your will. You have commanded us to speak, but we have been silent. You have called us to do what is right, but we have been fearful. Have mercy on us, your faithless servants. 
Keep before us faithful people to follow so that, living with courage and love, we may inherit the kingdom promised in Jesus Christ and reign with him forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear now the words from the Apostle Paul. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Please be seated. At this time, I would like to invite all of the children present in our worship service to please come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning, everybody. You guys all look so nice this morning. We have a good group this morning. Come on in, scoot in so everyone can make it. Good job. Okay. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about something really fun. Okay? Now, last week, and you may have heard Pastor Doug say something about the Reformation Day. Right? And, oh, look at how many we have here. Guys, scoot in. All you guys in the middle, will you guys scoot to the side so that everyone can scoot in further? This is great. All right. So last week in church, we celebrated a day called Reformation Day. Now, Reformation Day is kind of a grown-up day, okay? But there's also a day that happens every year on October 31st that you guys probably cared a little bit more about. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Halloween, that's right. Now... It's a little different here because it's not as popular. But where I came from in the United States, every year on Halloween, everyone would dress up in costumes. 
and walk around their neighborhood. And what would happen? What do you do on Halloween? Does anyone know? You go trick-or-treating. What do you get when you go trick-or-treating? Candy. Now, do you get a little bit of candy or a lot of candy? A lot of candy. I remember being a kid and thinking, this is the best day ever. Because you just walk around and you get free candy. And you get so much candy. You know, there's a, there's a famous comedian in the United States named Jerry Seinfeld. And he said, that when we're kids, we can't understand it. That everyone is just giving out free candy? This is the best day ever. Well, so let me tell you, when I was your age and I would go trick-or-treating, I loved candy. And I would go as early as my mom would let me and stay out as late as she would let me and I would try to get the most candy I could. And I would get so much candy. I remember that somewhere in my house in an old photo album, there's a picture of me about seven years old. Is anyone here seven? Anyone here seven? Okay, there's a picture when I was right about your guys' age at seven and I had fallen asleep on a pile of candy. I had a costume on. I think I was a cowboy. And I had a little toy gun and a hat. And I had just fallen asleep on a pile of candy. I was so happy to have my candy. I loved candy. But you know what the problem was? I had a big brother and a big sister. And they also loved candy. And every year on Halloween, we'd go out and we'd get candy. And I'd try to hide it from them because they were after my candy. And they would come and take all my favorite ones. Oh, it would drive me crazy. They would take all my favorite little pieces and take them for themselves. And so I would try and hide it. And I would think, this is my candy. I worked really hard for this candy, even though I really didn't work for it. And I would try to hide it. Because we had a rule at my house that after Halloween, we'd put it all together and we'd share it. You know, because that was, to a parent, that's a good idea. But to a child, that's just not fair, is it? No, you don't want to have to share all your candy with your brothers and sisters, especially if they didn't walk as long as you did, especially if they didn't run between each house to get as much candy as they could. And so I would try to hide my candy. But the next day, you know what my mom would do? She would go in my room, and she would find it, and she would pull it out, put it in the the big bowl that we all had to share. And I remember I would get so upset. I had worked so hard for that candy. I always thought it should be mine. But did I really earn that candy? No. I didn't pay for the candy, did I? All I did was walk around with face paint on and hold out a bucket. That's not very hard. But I still tried to keep it all for myself. See, sometimes when we get a gift or when we get something good that happens to us, we try to keep it all for ourselves, don't we? And we think maybe sometimes that this is mine and I don't want to share it. But if we have a lot of something and someone maybe doesn't have as much, what should we do? That's right. Share it. Because when we have a lot, we usually don't need it all. And if there's someone who maybe needs a little bit more, we should probably share it, huh? Do you guys know that in the Bible, there's lots of stories about good things happening to people and people getting what the Bible calls blessings? And what happens is when God gives us a blessing or when God gives us a gift, he wants us to share it, right? He doesn't want us just to keep it and hide it and take it away into our room and try to keep everyone else from having that gift. He wants us to share that gift. 
so that we can share the good things God has given us with other people. You know, one day you guys are all going to become grown-ups and you're not going to be allowed to trick-or-treat anymore. You're not going to be allowed to eat as much candy anymore because you'll get tummy aches and it's not as fun. But one day when you're grown-ups, you'll get dressed up early in the morning to go to work and you'll take the train or you'll drive into work and you're going to have the opportunity to share the gifts God has given you with lots of people. And you're going to have the opportunity to share the blessings God has given you with lots of people. And what God wants you to do, and when we read the Bible, we learn that God wants us to take all the things he's given us, take all the gifts and the blessings he's given us, and not to, not to hide it and keep it from everyone else, but to share it. To be men and women and boys and girls who love our neighbor and who care for our neighbor by giving them and sharing with them the things God has given us. Because all the things we have are gifts from God. Everything we have has been given to us by God because He loves us. And so I want to encourage you this morning, when you get something that's a good gift, when you get something you really love, be open to sharing it with someone. And make a practice of it that when you really love something, you're open to sharing it with someone. So that you can share the joy. Even if it's a new toy and it brings you a lot of joy, share that joy with someone else. If it's a lot of candy, share it so that your friends can enjoy it too. Okay? Okay. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for all the gifts we've been given. For the candy, for the fun, for the toys, for all the great things we get to do. And Lord, I pray that when we are given a good gift, that we would share it. Lord, I pray that these young men and women, as they grow, would grow into men and women who share that which they've been given, who give freely and generously with all they are and all they have, their gifts, their possessions, everything, Lord, because we know it comes from you. Lord, give us all this gift to share and love others through the things you have given us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, so... I have some instructions for you guys. All right, so if you are in parents of love, hope, and faith class, please take your children downstairs to the Fellowship French Hall, uh, and their teachers will take them from their classroom. So if your child is in love, hope, and faith, please walk your children downstairs. And children, if you are in John, Luke, Mark, Matthew, and Paul, if that's you, John, Luke, Mark, Matthew, and Paul, please walk down and over to your classrooms in the Canton Shula together, okay? You're dismissed. The scripture reading for today is from Nehemiah 5, verses 14 to 19, and can be found in your hymn Bibles, page 488.
Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shackles of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on his wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favor, my God, for all I have done for these people. This is the word of the Lord.
In case you missed it, uh, we dedicated new Bibles in worship last Sunday. The Bibles, as I explained last week, were uh, a gift from a, a member of this church who noticed uh, that the old ones were showing some significant signs of wear and tear. And uh, I suppose we could have dedicated them in, in September. We had them on hand, but there, we made a decision uh, to do it in, in connection with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation uh, as an acknowledgement that both uh, Luther and Zwingli made the Bible available uh, to uh, people in their own language. And if you came along on the, the walking tour uh, last Sunday afternoon, which I thought was very interesting and informative, uh, you saw one of the three remaining uh, uh, copies of Zwingli's translation, uh, which, and I, I didn't know this before uh, last Sunday, which was completed five years before Luther's translation. And it's not that they were competing with each other, at least I don't think so, uh, but interestingly, they had the, the same goal in mind, uh, to uh, put the Bible in the hands uh, of the people. Uh, putting a Bible in your hand, uh, a Bible you can read and study and understand, uh, I mean, I think is an extraordinary thing. And uh, it's, it's not to be taken for granted. And as I said last week, it's, it's one of the reasons we take time to celebrate the Protestant Reformation. If you still have your Bible uh, in hand, I invite you to do something that would not have been possible 500 years ago. And uh, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. Uh, so for the second reading today, we're going to hear just three verses. Uh, but these verses are about uh, God's providence. Uh, they are a reminder that all of our successes and all of our promotions, uh, as Sam reminded us, all of our blessings in life come ultimately uh, from God. And since they come from God, they carry some significant responsibilities. And so I invite you to listen to these words. They uh, begin with verse 5. Do not lift your horns against heaven, do not speak so defiantly, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, after taking a week off last week to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. We're back once again uh, to the story of Nehemiah. And just so you know, we're nearing the end or the, the conclusion of this story. Most of the struggle uh, in this story is now over. The, the wounds are fresh, of course. Uh, the critics are still critics. Feelings are raw. Uh, but success is in sight. Nothing at this point is going to prevent the completion of the wall around Jerusalem, which Nehemiah, as you may recall, came all the way from Persia to do. And so the focus of the story is already turning to what happens next. Now that the wall is built, or nearly built, now that Jerusalem once again looks like a city, instead of the ruins which the Babylonian armies left behind, uh, the question is, what happens next? And I, I want to mention something this morning that I have hinted at in uh, previous sermons, and I'm somewhat surprised that no one has wanted to uh, talk about this with me or, or 
challenge the, the assertion. Uh, several uh, times uh, during this series, uh, since it began in early September, uh, I have called Nehemiah a type of Christ. And do you remember uh, me saying that? I, so it, what I said is that Nehemiah points forward uh, to the New Testament. Uh, he foreshadows, uh, you might say, what the, the Christ will be like and what we should be looking for. Uh, the temptation is strong today among Christian people to discount the Old Testament and, and uh, to treat it as, as though it's somehow secondary to the New Testament. And you should know that there is nothing new uh, about this view. Uh, it was one of the earliest heresies in the Christian church. Uh, as early as 140 AD, only 140 years or, or only, a, yeah, only 100 years or so, uh, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, a teacher named uh, Marcion, uh, son of a, a Christian bishop in what is now Turkey, uh, dismissed the Old Testament as well as the God of the Old Testament uh, as being inferior to the God of the New Testament. Uh, Marcion, and I think this is very interesting, uh, Marcion developed his own Bible. Uh, it, it, it's always a warning when someone picks and chooses which uh, books to include and uh, which ones to exclude. Uh, Marcion's Bible consisted of parts of Luke's Gospel, not the entire thing, just, just parts, and then ten letters of Paul, and that was his sacred text. And uh, uh, Marcion, we shouldn't be surprised to hear this, uh, Marcion developed quite a large following. Uh, again, only a century or so after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. And it just seemed so obvious uh, to some early followers that the God of the Old Testament was violent and and uh, full of judgment, uh, while the, the God of the New Testament was merciful and gracious and, and forgiving. And I'm sure you've heard this argument before, even if you haven't heard Marcion's name in, in connection with it. But the early church quickly responded to uh, what they perceived to be a heresy, and they, they, they said, no, no, no. No, there is a unity to, to God's revelation, and, and there's no distinction between the God of the Old Testament and, and, and the God of the New Testament. In fact, the, the, the Old Testament, they said, points us forward to, to the New Testament. The, the New Testament, this was their argument, that the New Testament, Testament is a completion of what was promised in the Old Testament. And so uh, there have uh, been people over the years who have uh, developed this idea further and and they've said that there are, in fact, types of Christ to be found in, in the Old Testament. And one of them, you might be surprised uh, to hear this name, one of them is, is Jonah. Uh, after three days, not an insignificant number, after three days in, in the belly of the fish, uh, I think you know how the story goes, Jonah is deposited on dry land, and uh, his mission is to announce uh, God's mercy to the nations. Right? To, to a Christian believer, these are more than coincidences. Uh, the manna in the wilderness has been called a, a type of Christ daily. God's people were offered this, this free gift which sustained them and, and nourished them during their long journey in, in the wilderness. And then there are several others. I'll just mention one more. Uh, maybe the most famous uh, example of all is Melchizedek, Old Testament person who was both uh, a king and high priest. So in many ways, exactly, right, exactly what we claim 
about Christ. So uh, what I would like you to see is that Nehemiah, interestingly enough, fits this category. Right? He was not God, and in spite of uh, how good he appears in this book, which uh, bears his name, uh, he was not perfect, but uh, it's important to see characteristics in him right, that point us forward to Christ, to the person of Christ. And today the characteristic that I want to spend some time thinking about is how Nehemiah handled success. Uh, in the verses we heard today from chapter 5, we learned that Nehemiah, this man who was not even born in the land, uh, who was raised uh, in the capital of another country altogether, uh, th- this man had somehow won the hearts and minds of the people, and they had made him governor. Right? He oversaw the, the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem in just 52 days, something like that. He handled some uh, very tough logistical uh, problems, Uh, He uh, took on fierce and, I would say, unfair criticism. Uh, He handled labor disputes. And in the chapter we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago, he spoke bluntly to the rich people of Jerusalem, and he he told them that they were not obeying the law of Moses. He said they're they're, they're charging interest rates that are unfair. He was courageous. And, And then in the verses we heard today, we find that Nehemiah is, he's now the governor of Judah. So, I mean, a, a remarkable advancement in a, a, a short period of time. A success story, not unlike the story of, of Joseph, uh, who has also been called a, a type of Christ. And in case you're wondering what uh, successes Jesus had uh, during uh, his ministry, and, and that would be a fair question, uh, since things at the end of his life certainly uh, did not go well, Uh, I want to remind you that Jesus enjoyed some extraordinary popularity. In in his earliest days of ministry in Galilee, thousands of people were talking about a geographical region where the the, the population was not uh, terribly great. Thousands of people came out to hear him speak. Uh, For a brief time, he was a a kind of a celebrity, and and his family worried about him and and about his health. And and, and what they said is, what you are doing is not good. Remember, they said, uh, you are going to wear yourself out. Uh, One time in a sermon, I asked you why Jesus didn't uh, set up a healing ministry in Capernaum, uh, his hometown. I mean, it's a lovely lakeside village and uh, a nice place to retire. Uh, Jesus could have uh, married and and had children and and grandchildren and, and lived to a ripe old age. Right? He, he could have been the most famous and beloved person in his hometown and, and probably in all of Galilee. They, they would have named the healing clinic after him. Uh, but he didn't do that. And, and the question I have, uh, I had for you then and have for you today is, uh, why not? You might ask the same question about Nehemiah. Why didn't he leverage this success into something more? Why didn't he find a way to monetize his success? Uh, Surely there would have been a way to exploit his sudden popularity. Why didn't he do that? Uh, That's what I want to spend a few minutes uh, talking about this morning. Uh, How was Nehemiah able to handle uh, success so well? So skillfully, where uh, others, I, I don't know, others seem to fall apart. 
uh, you may not have thought about this before, but uh, more people struggle with success than with adversity. Right? I would go so far as to say that in the face of adversity, uh, we often see people at their best. Uh, not always, of course, and there are exceptions to this, but, but quite often when people are faced with difficult circumstances, when their lives are turned upside down, when their uh, dreams are dashed, well, we see the best in them. You find character and, and faith that you didn't know these people had. Most people, when confronted with adversity, seem to rise to the occasion, and, and they demonstrate courage and endurance and faithfulness and much more, and it, it's why we sometimes want to say to them, oh, you're such an inspiration to me. <laughs> and just so you know, people who are going through tough times really don't want to be an inspiration to you. Right? Uh, but often they are. They teach us what real faith looks like. If you want a hero to admire, uh, find someone who is going through a terrible time, and yet, who trusts God to see him or her through this time. Do you know something? Just the opposite seems to happen in the face of success. Uh, most people seem to fall apart. People seem to be uh, the most susceptible to temptation and, and corruption and sin, call it whatever uh, you, you want, when, when they are at the top. When everything in their lives seems to be going just splendidly. Uh, in his book, Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, uh, and if you've never read this book, this is one of the Christian classics and it would be a, uh, worth your time to, to read it. Uh, in his book, uh, Screw Tape Letters, C.S. Lewis imagines a senior devil uh, named Screwtape talking to a, a junior devil, his nephew actually, uh, named Wormwood. And the senior devil is giving advice about the best way to uh, derail the life of a good person. And uh, so Screwtape says, uh, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. It's really a, a, a wonderful and a scary insight. Uh, Charles Swindoll, whose uh, book about Nehemiah uh, is the basis for this uh, sermon series, says that the private life uh, of the promoted leader is under the constant attack of the devil. Uh, to put that another way, the more you have the more success that is coming your way, the more temptation you are going to face. The more opportunities you are going to have to make a complete mess of your life. I'm sure you've seen the statistics about lottery winners. According to multiple studies, and it's fascinating to me that this has been studied as much as it has been, uh, but according to multiple studies, uh, about 70% of all lottery winners end up going broke and filing for bankruptcy. Think about that. Uh, most of the statistics uh, I came across have to do with uh, lotteries in the U.S., but uh, there are similar results found around the world. Uh, only 55% of lottery winners, I think this is fascinating, only 55% of lottery winners report that they are happier as a result of having come into this vast amount of money. Right? Uh, here's a good one, and, and there was a lot to choose from. I'll, I'll keep it to this, this, this one. In, in nine out of ten situations, this new family wealth gained through 
uh, winning a lottery is gone by the third generation. It is as though it never happened. At my last church, an, an older couple asked me to stop by their home on my, on my way home from the, the church office, and, and they were not very forthcoming about why they wanted to see me. They just said it was urgent, and so I drove over, and uh, after exchanging pleasantries for a few moments, uh, the, the wife blurted out that she had won the lottery. And, and this wasn't the Mega Millions uh, jackpot. It was one of the lesser uh, lotteries, which is why I had not seen their names and uh, photos in the news uh, uh, but it was still significant. And uh, I didn't know anything about their financial situation, but frankly, it, it looked to me as though they were not struggling. Uh, they had a very uh, beautiful home, and, and financially speaking, they seemed to be doing quite well. Uh, the wife said to me that uh, she bought the <laughs> tickets every week at the grocery store uh, out of habit, uh, more than anything else. B- but with the win came this sudden responsibility Uh, Questions they had never had to think about were suddenly pressing in on them, and they found themselves hiring lawyers and financial advisors, a whole team of advisors. And suddenly, uh, they wished they had never played the game, a comment that I did not expect to hear. Instead of being happier, they were suddenly feeling stressed and, and pressured in a way that they did not want to be feeling at this point in their lives. And and, and since you're all going to ask me at the door how this came out uh, and and why they wanted to see me, I I think I should uh, fill this in. Uh, What they wanted to do was to set up a special fund at the church, like our Congregational Care Fund. And and they set up other funds to pay for the uh, college educations of their their grandchildren. And, And with the money that was left over, not very much at that point, uh, they were going to take a cruise. But, but, but here's the thing. They did not seem terribly excited about it. And, and, and just so I don't pick on lottery winners alone, uh, l- let me say something about professional athletes. When I was growing up, I wanted so badly to be good at sports. <laughs> I mean, no one tried harder to catch the eye of the coach than I did. I was always standing next to the coach. They put me in, put me in. I'm ready. And uh, it's, I mean, uh, I wanted so badly to play professional baseball for the Detroit Tigers. I mean, that would have been, as, I mean, that would have been the best. And do you know something? According to the research, I should be so thankful today that I was called into a different career. Uh, 78% of professional football players, 60% of professional basketball players are bankrupt within five years of leaving their sport. And of course you could argue that oh, they come from poor families or poor backgrounds, they grew up in poverty, so they were not prepared to deal with the sudden wealth and, and uh, the fame and the celebrity and all of that. But based on what I know, and, and, and based on my experience in ministry over the years, I would say that making bad choices at a time of success happens to people at every level of income. This is... There is something about wealth and celebrity and and success, even the relatively minor success of a promotion, which is what our story for today is about. There is something about all of those things that sets us up for a fall. And, And not a small one either, but often a spectacular one. Do you want to know when you are most vulnerable to making a mess of your life? 
when you are most likely to squander everything that is precious to you, everything that God has, has poured into your life, it's when things in your life are going really, really well. When, when David, king of Israel, was on his way up, I mean, nothing could stop him. Right? It was only after he built his palace and, and, and decided that he didn't have to go out with the generals anymore to war and that he could just lie on his, his sofa at home that his thinking began to change. It, it was at the top when he found himself most vulnerable to temptation. So here's the, the, the point of the story where, uh, where it becomes important that Nehemiah was a type of Christ. Why didn't Nehemiah turn out like uh, so many lottery winners and, and so many professional athletes, like so many people we have known over the years? Can you guess? I mean, this is terribly important, and, and if you can't guess what I'm about to say I hope you listen very carefully because this word of advice and caution and warning may be the only thing that keeps you from wasting everything that God has given to you. Nehemiah, like Jesus, like so many others who have gone before us in faith, did not lose sight of what he had come to do, the purpose of his life. Right. God had saved him and rescued him and set him aside for a special purpose just as God has saved you and rescued you and set you aside for a special purpose. What kept Nehemiah focused was the same thing that kept Jesus focused. And I hope the same thing that keeps all of us focused, namely that we live our lives with a purpose that is larger than ourselves, larger than our own happiness, larger than our bank accounts and retirement savings. We recognize that with prosperity comes more responsibility, not less. Let me put it this way. If your life has a purpose, then it has meaning. And if your life has meaning, if you remember where your success has come from and, and who has made all of your, your prosperity possible, then you will not be susceptible to all of the temptations that inevitably come with money and success and power and achievement. Let me ask you, I mean, what, what, what keeps you from throwing it all away? What keeps you from squandering everything that God has given to you? That would be a good question to ponder in your quiet time in the coming week. Would you pray with me? Let us pray. Gracious God, once again we thank you for Nehemiah and for the example he is for our lives. We thank you for his faithfulness and for his determination to live throughout his life as your servant. Right? To recognize that his promotion came from you and that with that promotion came responsibility. Gracious God, help us to absorb this lesson in our own lives and wherever we are and whatever our circumstances, whatever we count as success and promotion, we pray that you will impress this truth upon us. 
God, help us to be responsible with what you have given to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is found on an insert, and I invite you to stand if you are able. Be seated and join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
bringing us into the cycle of life and um, the love you have for us. We thank you for protecting us and providing for us in many ways we often fail to recognize or take for granted. We thank you for showering us with your abundant resources, with family, friends, the tender touches we receive, our talents, and our money. We thank you for placing us in Switzerland, the people of Switzerland and this independent church. And we also thank you for the work of Pastor Obed in Lesotho, pointing to you and tending to the orphans and other vulnerable children that are suffering from HIV AIDS and the poverty of their parents. We thank you for giving us a free heart now and the opportunity to be wise administrators of what you have given us. And let us pray as Nehemiah did. Remember me with favor, my God, for all I have done for these people. We ask you to bless this collection and remove any fears of giving. We pray all this in the name of our Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Please be seated and join me in prayer. Lord, we praise you for who you are, your love for all creation, our free will and the time and multiple chances and choices you give us to turn to you and depend on you. Lord, we're deeply troubled, and for the sake of our tears now, we come before you with our concerns and intercessions. Lord, we pray for comfort and strength for all people worldwide suffering as a result of war, terror, such as from the recent car bombing in Syria, conflicts or fights for political, social, economic, racial, or religious dominance, or for struggle just over wealth and resources in every way. Lord, we also pray for the people of Spain and their leaders in wisely dealing with the strive for independence in Catalonia. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. We pray for fortified strength and spiritual and physical wise and the perseverance for all persecuted believers and for all people working as missionaries, deacons, elders, anyone in ministry. Please protect those working for your kingdom from burnout, depression, feelings of desolation, and futility. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for the church worldwide, its unity and purity, and for relevancy. May you give all church leaders the wisdom and strength to grow their congregation, however, without sacrificing the teachings of Jesus. We praise you for giving us pastors Doug and Sam and their wives. We ask you to hold them in your hands and protect them and strengthen them. And we pray for wise decisions at the start of Doug's retirement and in wisdom selecting our interim pastor. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for the various projects in Lesotho run by Pastor Obed. Among these projects is the construction of a boarding home for orphans and other children from the area. And Heavenly Father, we praise you for Pastor Obed's faithful service over the many years and for the vision and the initiative he has been given, as well as his skills and drive as he responds to the needs of the community of Motonlong. We lift up the body of believers in Matonlong. We pray that you will protect them and continue to grow them in faith. And we pray for safety and prosperity for the people of Lesotho after successive periods of recent political instability. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.
We pray for our bosses and managers and colleagues in the workplace for wisely managing their employees, their colleagues, and the treatment of their direct reports. We pray, we pray for protection for ourselves from spiritual attacks and for stronger faith and a removal of doubt. We pray for strength and forgiveness in our marriages and relationships. We ask that you strengthen our marriages and protect them. We pray also for all men, women, parents, and children that suffer from those broken relationships, separation, divorce, and the death of a loved one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, please give us, give us grace to respond to achievements, success, and promotions in a way that brings out the best of us. Please give us grace to forgive and deal with abuse, humiliation, and feelings of abandonment. And please give us strength to resist addictions like alcohol, but also work, attention, and many other addictions. Lord, we pray that um, for everyone who suffers and struggles with illness or aging, the failing of our bodies and the distress that comes with it and disturbances, please comfort them and lead them to stronger faith and more reliance on you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And now let us pray for our own personal concerns in a minute of silence. And now, as Jesus taught his disciples, let us pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, as thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you can, please stand up and let us sing together hymn number 526.
please receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, both now and forever.